great to be back on Search the Scriptures again today with all of our listeners. We're so thankful that you're there, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity to be here with you. It's extremely encouraging to us to hear from our listeners. Sometimes we get contacts by mail. Sometimes we get emails uh, letting us know of somebody who's listening, and uh, we appreciate so much the expressions of, of enjoyment of the program how they appreciate the scriptures being taught. It's, I guess, an extra level of encouragement when we see somebody face-to-face. We've had that opportunity many, many, many times at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha from those listeners who listen in that area, who come and try to meet us and check us out and perhaps learn a little bit more from God's Word. We just appreciate the opportunity to reach out to so many over the radio waves with God's word to try to help you come to a better understanding of the scriptures, to help you understand the Bible more in depth, more fully. And as we try to do that, our prayer is that your faith is growing, that it's becoming stronger and deeper. The biblical formula for the development of faith is simply faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So as you learn more and more from the scriptures, your faith should be coming stronger and stronger. And ultimately, our prayer is that you will come closer to God and make up your mind to come to him all the way for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Savior and Lord, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. And at that point, the blood that he shed on the cross is still absolutely 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And you can come into that saved state in Christ. You can come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, having been completely immersed in it, and that's the only baptism that's taught in the New Testament, immersion, coming up out of that water reborn spiritually. And so then you can begin to walk that new life in Christ with that new direction pointing toward heaven. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. At the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll give you information how you can contact us, and you can request a free Bible study that we always offer in the program every, every day. And it's always for free. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also request a copy of today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures on CD for free. And again, we take care of the postage. We don't want you to send us anything for it. We don't ask for any kind of contribution or some radio programs, we'll call it a love offering. You send them so much and then they'll send you something that they say is free. Well, that doesn't sound free to us. We just want to help you learn God's word better and come to God for salvation through Jesus Christ. So you make the request, contact us. You can do that by mail. You can do that by phone. You can do that by email. We'll send you the materials, and they'll be for free. So write down that information. Have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and we'll give you that information in just a little while. In our last program, we got into the beginning of a new study. 
making the point that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now, I took some time to emphasize that we tend in our culture in this country today to rely a great deal upon our personal feelings. We make a lot of decisions on what, and, and a lot of these are life decisions, on how we feel about something. And then as I pointed out, we, as a result of that, end up making a lot of wrong decisions. And somewhere down the road, we have to recognize that, oh boy, I made a mistake. And so we've got to change course and go back and fix things, so to speak, and go in a different direction. Well, feelings can be encouraging, they can be helpful, but only to the extent that they conform to truth. When we're making a decision as to our spiritual lives, and all of our life should be governed by our spiritual lives, that decision needs to be based upon the truth of God's word. Remember that Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So we've got to dig deep into God's word and make sure that we are following him and that we are living our lives according to his teachings. Then we can have our feelings of being right with God because we know we're conforming our lives to his teachings, to his word. We looked at the text in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 uh, and following, talking about how the Apostle Paul wrote that we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, in that particular text, as I emphasized, Paul is writing to people who have already come to Christ. He's writing to the church in the city of Philippi. He's not writing to everybody in the world. He's writing to Christians. So he's not talking about making up how you want to be saved, what you want to do, what you consider to be an appropriate plan of salvation. Now, those people have already obeyed the gospel. They have already followed God's plan of salvation in the scriptures. They've already been baptized into Christ. Now, what Paul is doing in Philippians 2.12, when he's telling them, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he's talking to them about how they need to live their life now that they're a Christian. They need to take great care. And he also said in that last phrase of that verse, with fear and trembling. In other words, with great concern, with great attention to the decisions that they're going to be making, to the course in life that they're going to be taking, with great importance as to how they're going to follow God, how they're going to dedicate their lives to him on a daily basis. So some people, when they become a Christian, they've got to change some pretty major things in their lives. They may have been living extremely ungodly lives, doing things that were terribly unrighteous, immoral, ungodly, and they've got to change all of that. Sometimes people will have to give up friendships because they have been hanging with people before they became a Christian who were living ungodly lifestyles. And those people, they won't change and so they're a bad influence, and so once the person becomes a Christian, they, they have to decide, I'm going to follow God. 
I still love you, but if you're going to live that lifestyle, I can't be around you because I can't be under that influence. Instead, they need to have the influence of righteousness upon those they're around. So they have to make decisions sometimes to leave those old friends. They may have to change lifestyles in, in more dramatic ways, perhaps. Like maybe in some cases, changing a job, changing recreational pursuits, hobbies. They may even have to limit themselves as to being around some family members because those family members, again, may be living extremely ungodly lives. There are family members who lead other family members into all kinds of unrighteousness. And they may have to decide, you know, again, I love you, but I can't be around you if you're living like that. So our feelings have to conform to God's word. And later in that particular text in Philippians chapter 2, Paul makes that point. We have to hold fast to the word of God. So we need to decide how we need to live that righteous life as a Christian, but it has to be in conformity with God's word. Now I use that particular text to introduce this particular study. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We began to get into a text in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 4 that talked about the nation of Israel and what happened there ultimately led to King David and King David was a man in the book of Acts that was described as a person after God's own heart. He was deep down very dedicated to God. But David made mistakes along the way. And he learned this lesson as to how we dedicate ourselves to God is important in a very vivid way. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we find the nation of Israel at war with the Philistines. And after the first day of battle, the Israelites had lost decisively. They decided that they would do something dramatic. They sent back to Shiloh, which was the central place of worship for the nation of Israel at that time. That's where the tabernacle was. And in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence. The Ark was not to be worshipped as an icon or an idol. And there are a whole lot of people today who make the mistake of worshiping icons, doing obeisance before them, even praying to them in some cases. But that's not, that, that's not what the ark was, but the ark was a symbol of God's presence within the nation of Israel. So they sent back to Shiloh and they had the ark of the covenant brought to the battle camp of the Israelites. And when the ark was brought into the camp, the text tells us that the men shouted with such a great shout that the earth trembled. And the Philistine battle camp across the way took note of what was going on. And perhaps they had spies that were overseeing the battle camp of the Israelites because they came to understand that, that 
the ark was in the camp of Israel. And I believe the Israelites even said, there's a God in their camp. Now what the Israelite soldiers were hoping for, what they expected was bringing the ark into their camp would give them victory over the Philistines. But instead, the Philistines, while there was fear struck in their hearts initially, they only developed greater resolve. And so they were encouraged to stand strong, to be courageous. And the next day, the battle was joined again. And verses 10 and 11 tell us, So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. 30,000 men lost their lives that day on the side of Israel. Also the ark of God was captured, the next verse tells us. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Hophni and Phinehas were priests serving under the high priest, Eli. Hophni and Phinehas were ungodly men, even though they were technically priests. They had served in a way as to be an ungodly example before the people of Israel. But Eli, their father, did not restrain them. And so years before, God used the young boy Samuel as a prophet to tell Eli that God was going to bring bring judgment upon his family and the male bloodline was going to come to an end because of Hophni and Phinehas' ungodliness and Eli's failure to restrain them or discipline them. So this day of the battle 30,000 Israelite soldiers fall in battle. Hophni and Phinehas, the two priests who brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle camp of Israel, are killed, and the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the enemy army, the Philistines. Now, the greater significance of this is, or at least a greater significance is, the Philistines did not even believe in God. They were idol worshipers. They took the Ark of the Covenant as being, I think we should probably understand, as having captured Israel's God. They were used to worshiping images and statues, idols of different kinds. And so they took the Ark and they brought it to their, one of their chief cities. When we turn to chapter 5, chapter 5, and we look there at verses 1 and 2. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. What an insult this was to God. There is no other God except God, the one Lord God, Jehovah. The idols that people have worshipped for centuries, millennia, they're nothing. They're just idols. They're just statues. They're images. 
if we had time, we could go into some of the texts in the Old Testament that really describe them in detail as to for what they are. Somebody, a man, cuts down a tree, and then he, with his hands, fashions it into some kind of an image, an idol, maybe overlays it with precious jewels or gold or silver, and then props it up on a stand, and then he drops down and worships it as a god. It was a creation of his own hands, and yet he worships it as a god. Now, how inconsistent is that? Well, the Philistines worshipped idols. They took the captured Ark of the Covenant from Israel, and they took it into one of their temples to their idol, Dagon, and they put it up next to an image of Dagon. It's interesting that the next day, the Philistines came in, probably the priests, and they found the statue of Dagon, the image of Dagon, fallen on the floor. The ark was still standing where it was, where they put it. The image of Dagon had fallen on the floor. Well, I don't know if they figured something unusual had happened, whatever. They picked up the image of Dagon. They put it back in its place. The next morning they come back. The image of Dagon has fallen on the floor again, and this time it's broken in pieces. <laughs> they should have gotten the message. But all kinds of problems developed to the male population within the nation of, Philist, uh, of Philistia, at least in those chief cities where they had brought the ark and put it in the temple, where they were keeping the ark of the covenant, the symbol of God's presence for Israel. The males broke out with different kinds of, of, of physical ailments, and so the Philistines moved the ark from one major city to another major city, to another major city, to another major city. And wherever they brought the ark, the male population experienced the same physical difficulties. They had ailments. And they finally made up their mind, we're going to take it back to Israel. Now let's look in the seventh chapter of 1 Samuel. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim for a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Apparently the tabernacle was destroyed and the centralized place of worship for Israel ceased to exist. The ark was brought back by the Philistines, and they brought it to the border of Israel, and they put it on a cart and just let the oxen bring it into the nation of Israel. And here we see that it was kept in a home by the name of a the home of a man named Abinadab. And it was there for a long time, for decades, until David comes along. And David becomes the second king of Israel. 
Saul reigned in Israel for 40 years. He was the first king. And then he was succeeded by David, who reigned another 40 years. And during David's reign, he determined in his mind, and this was a good thing, that he wanted to restore centralized worship to Israel. His real desire was to build a permanent temple to God. God would not allow him to do that because David was a man of war and he had shed blood. But David was allowed to gather all of the materials, or at least a great many of them, for the construction of the ark. But his son Solomon, who would succeed David ultimately as king, would actually see to the construction of the, of, of the temple. So David gathered the materials. His son Solomon would see that it was built, the temple to God. But David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, not to Shiloh this time, but to Jerusalem, and thereby, thereby reestablished centralized worship for the nation of Israel. Give the Ark a permanent place to be and a proper place. It was a good desire on David's part. Now when we get into the next section here, we'll see, and all of this has been laying the groundwork for this very important lesson that David learned how, along the line, that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Not just to claim to be dedicated, not just to feel we're dedicated, not just to say we're dedicated, not to be dedicated in some shape, form, or fashion, but how we're dedicated to God. Making sure that we're dedicated to him on his terms, following his teachings as to what dedication really is. David was about to learn this lesson in a most vivid way. And that's where we will pick up next time in 2 Samuel chapter 6. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us and receive that free Bible study that we talked about earlier. And you can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. Please take advantage of this opportunity. It can change your life not only for good, but for eternity. We hope to hear from you right away.